In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. My friends, today is Septuagesima Sunday. We hit this every year at this time, and remember Septuagesima, the word itself gives, gives us an indication of where we are in the liturgical calendar of the church. Septua, Septuagesima, simply means this. We are roughly 70 days away from the celebration of the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. And when the church gives the name Septuagesima to this Mass, it's signaling our three-week preparation to enter into Lent. So our Lord, through His church, in the worship, in the prayers, in the Scripture readings, and all of it, we are beginning to prepare ourselves to walk very relationally, relationally with one another and also with our Lord Jesus Christ through Lent, to the cross, through the cross, to the power of the resurrection. And so we begin our preparation for Lent today. If you remember last week, we had the gospel reading, the parable of the talents. I'm not going to go through that uh, again today, but the meaning is what we want to capture. The master gives his servants talents. The, talents e the servants either did something or didn't do something with the talents. What is the talent that our Lord gives every Christian? Please remember, it is the entirety of the grace of God that he has placed by his soul, Holy Spirit, into each living stone. All the grace that they need for their salvation and all the grace that they need for salvation to come through them to the salvation of others is given to them. And when the master returns, the question is going to be, what did we do with the talent? What did we do with the grace of God? Did we cultivate it in actual fellowship and relationship with our Lord Jesus Christ so that it, it grew within us and we bore the fruit of our Lord Jesus Christ through our lives? Or did we bury it somewhere being distracted by the world and not tend to this incredible gift that God has given? And the challenge to us was cultivate this great gift of God that's given to us all our days. And this sets perfectly the stage for Septuagesima and what St. Paul will write to help us in our beginnings of preparation to walk through Lent. St. Paul gives instruction in our epistle toward this. He says this. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. Therefore, I run like this, not with uncertainty. This is how I fight, not as one who beats at the air, but I discipline my body and I bring it into subjection. That when I preach to others, I myself should not be disqualified. St. Paul is using an athletic example. St. Paul, we know this. St. Paul loved athletics. St. Paul loved the games. And he's using language when he's writing to the church, calling every Christian soul to be an athlete, running for the prize, the prize of what? Our Lord Jesus Christ. 
Christ. All that he is and all the benefits of the kingdom of God that he offers. We are to be like athletes who fix their eyes on that prize. And believe me, in order for an athlete to subject himself to the discipline, the self-discipline of the body, of the mind, of the emotions that it takes to win the prize, the prize is everything. The athlete sets his heart, sets his mind, and fixes his eyes on the prize in order to discipline himself. And therefore, in order to win that very prize. This is what St. Paul is saying. And he says this as far as how we ought to run like that athlete. He says, and everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. He's temperate in all things. That word temperate means he is self-controlled. He has himself in check. His body is under his own governance. The body doesn't rule him. The desires that he has doesn't rule him. He gets control of it so that he can train himself for the winning of the prize. In fact, this word temperance in the Greek that Paul uses, it's actually a word most used in athletics. It's most used in athletics. While preparing for the competition, in other words, this word temperate, while preparing for the competition in games, the athlete abstains by self-control from unwholesome foods, overindulgence of alcohol, anything that would hinder his body or her body, from being at top performance for competition. They simply do without. They govern themselves. That's the temperance that St. Paul is using. And then he talks about his own self-discipline as if to describe, look and see how I'm trying to run as an athlete. St. Paul says, but I discipline my body and I bring it into subjection. What does he mean by this? I discipline my body. It's not physical self-flagellation. He's talking about I take every desire that I have, every craving that I have, and I subject it to my Lord Jesus Christ. I lay it before his feet and I get rid of it that I may focus on living and dwelling only from my Lord. Because in him, he is the only thing that completes everything that I need. So I subject my body to that. And that's how we are to run the race as Christians. And you know, we're talking about Lent. But Lent is really the reality of the Christian life. We just bring a greater focus so that we might lift some spiritual weights, run some spiritual laps, and get ourselves in condition for this race. And in fact, that reminds me, the first seven years after I graduated high school, or excuse me, college, first seven years of occupation, I was a high school basketball coach and I taught high school. And this would happen every year. I knew going into a season every year, number one, I was going to have some youth that I coached the year before, but some were going to be new. The ones that knew me before, they were prepared, but the new ones weren't. So every year it was a starting when we first started practice with weeks to go until the first competition in basketball. I knew that that was fundamental time. I had to break them down and bring them into the fundamentals that would grow them beyond themselves to be able to compete at the highest level 
to obtain the prize that they even desire, the winning of games, the winning of district, and so on. So in the first weeks of practice, here's what would happen. I would teach the fundamentals, then I'd send them into a drill to practice those fundamentals, and guess what would happen? Some of them, even that I coached last year, and some of our new people, they heard the fundamentals, but they slipped back into bad habits. And as quickly as I would see that, I'd blow the whistle, and everybody'd stop, and I'd holler at everybody, go to the baseline. Now they knew that meant we're about to do a little running, right? So they'd go to the baseline. And before we'd run, I'd explain something to them. I said, everything I just saw is not what I just taught you. I saw some bad things that if you do when we get into games, you are not going to excel. And as a team, we're not going to excel. So let me ask you a question. What do you think makes perfect? And you know, the ones that had me before, they knew the answer. And a few of them would answer, practice makes perfect. And I'd say, that's not true. Perfect practice makes perfect. Perfect practice makes perfect. I said, because if you do what I just saw in the last five minutes of that drill in a game, it's imperfect. And that's going to get ingrained in you if I allow it to continue. If I don't break you of that habit and put in a new one, you are going to continue in the bad habits that cause failure. But if we learn the self-discipline of that which is the most right, and we do it over and over again here in this practice perfectly, it's going to become muscle memory to you. It's going to become mental memory to you. So when we get in the game, you're not thinking about doing the right anymore. You're walking in it. You're living in it. And believe me, as they would change themselves, they would see that happen in their lives, in the game, and so on and so forth, my friends. Why do we think that this is so far different than our spiritual lives? The church says it this way. I say perfect practice makes perfect. The church tells us we become that which we what? Say it. We become that which we do. Practice. The practice of love begets love. The practice of humility begets greater humility. The practice of fasting begets self-control. The practice of almsgiving begets compassion for those who have less. And our Lord is calling us to this same thing. He's calling us to the fundamentals of Christianity. And that's what we're preparing to enter into, the practice. That we might find the prize and the victory. One church father puts it this way when reflecting on St. Paul's words. Your master, Jesus Christ, has anointed you with the Spirit and has brought you to this training ground. He determined long before the day of the contest to take you from a softer way of life to a harsher regimen that your strength may increase. Athletes are set apart for more rigid training to apply themselves to the building up of their physical strength. They are kept from lavish living, from more tempting dishes, from more pleasurable drinks. They are urged on and worn out. The more strenuously they have exerted themselves, the greater their hope of victory. Pseudo Dionysius, an early church theologian in the 6th century, 
I want to quote something, but I want you to listen for him talking about the very presence of Jesus Christ with us, the spiritual athletes, in the midst of the training and in the midst of the competition. He teaches this. The initiate is summoned to the sacred contest, which with Christ as his trainer, he must undertake. For it is Christ as God who arranges the match. It is Christ as sage that lays down the rules. It is Christ as beauty who is a worthy prize for the victors. And it is the goodness of Christ that is present always with the athletes, defending their freedom and guaranteeing their victory over the forces of death and destruction. And so the initiate will quite gladly hurl himself into what he knows to be divine contests. And he will follow and scrupulously observe the wise rules of the game. We enter into Lent being called to greater spiritual disciplines. Where the spiritual disciplines are truly lending themselves to the greater experience in the day of our living Lord Jesus Christ who saves us. Who transforms us. The question comes to us on this day as we just begin to prepare our souls to walk through Lent. How do you want to live through Lent? And how do you want to live through your Christian life? Anyone who has walked through Lent, and they testify to me of this all the time, and I would testify to you the same thing. When we live more diligently by the rules set forth, our Lord has set. We experience Him all the more greatly. And when it comes to celebrating the resurrection, we experience the power of the resurrection in our lives more greatly. Why? So that when we leave Lent, we are so much more a disciple of our loving God. And we walk so much more in intimate fellowship with Him all of our days. How shall we enter into Lent? As Paul says, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.